The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Kariah, and we're going to be talking about ways to protect your wealth, especially in these times with the fragile economy that we have, fragile financial system. We need ways to protect ourselves. So we're talking about physical gold, physical silver, and natural fancy colored diamonds. We do have a motto here at Guildhall. If you don't hold it, you don't own it. So it has to be physical. You can buy it direct from Guildhall. You can go to our e-store, guildhallpreciousmetals.com. You can call us, set up an appointment, um, and buy it direct. Take it home. If you're looking for some storage solutions, we do have that service. We work with Brinks. Fully allocated, fully segregated clients own the product completely, always maintain complete control, but they would have full insurance, full security, and the ability to liquidate at a given moment. And then we also offer registered accounts where people who have an RSP, TFSA, Lira, Liv, Riff can hold actual physical gold, physical silver in an RSP registered account held, allocated, segregated, have complete ownership, access to go and personally audit the holdings, held in a vault outside the banking system. It doesn't get old, does it, Jerry? Not at all. <laughs> Very relevant, Jerry. Uh, okay, so today we've there's a lot of a lot of little interesting things were happening this week, um, and some big things. But on the little stuff, um, Credit Suisse, Ford, minimum wage, housing crisis talk. Um, we're going to get into some uh, thoughts on millennials and gold. There is a red alert update at the COMEX. The continuing developing story of the supply side shortage in gold and silver. But first, let's start off with a subject that Guildhall has been so well aware of, and all of our listeners have known about this for years, is shrinkflation. But now we're going to add to the concept of shrinkflation. There's been um, sort of a nuance to it, which is skimpflation. So before we just talk about all of the things we're seeing with with shrinkflation, let's talk about what is skimpflation. Mm-hmm. What, what do we need to be let's aware of in, with skimpflation? Let's get into this phenomenon, Jeremy. This we first started to talk about this phenomenon years ago with shrinkflation, and a great article out of Mises.org. Um, you know, Austrian economics uh, geniuses there. Basically, businesses know that charging higher prices is, uh, is unpopular, especially when many consumers are convinced that greed, for, for whatever reason, is driving uh, price inflation. So what they do is they start reducing the amount of food in the packaging, the size, and it's diluting the product, but keep the same amount, otherwise cutting corners in ways that consumers may not immediately notice. But we notice these things. So thankfully, we have websites such as mouseprint.org, which documents some of these cases, specific cases. I recommend checking it out, mouseprint.org. Maybe you can even volunteer your own cases and submit your pictures. But on the website, you can see Sarah Lee blueberry bagels reduced from one pound, four ounces per bag to down to just over a pound. Then you have Bounty Double Rolls. I know our family uses that. Reduced from 98 sheets to 90. How is that still a double roll? Gain laundry just, detergent. Just go, just just go to one ply. Just go, 
just reduce it to one ply. Oh goodness, messy. D- Dawn dish soap. The list the list goes on and on. And in some cases, we have skimflation. The volume or weight of a product remains the same, but the proportions change. For example, hungry man double chicken bowls, a frozen dinner of fried chicken and macaroni and cheese. Mm-mm. Maintain a net worth of 15 ounces. But the protein content dropped from 39 grams to 33 grams, Jeremy. So they're just reducing the vitamins, the minerals, the proteins, the iron, everything that we need. What are we consuming, Jeremy? Now, I have to, I have to say there is a part of me when, I, when we've been observing shrinkflation over the years. And by the way, I have another couple that, um, that our friend Kevin Fernandez sent us. He needs a follow yes. on Instagram. Highly recommended. Yes. Um, what is it? Uh, Kevin, we'll get it in just a second. If Kevin you want to look it up 84, I believe. Yeah. Kevin Fernandez, 84. Let me look it up. Um, but the other one is that on gum packages, they've actually taken out a piece of gum so that you have a thumb holder and uh, if you've ever, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And then if you've ever, it's Kevin Fernandez 82, and that's oh, uh, with an S in the end. He just puts out such great content. And he puts out the wins. That's so important for us. He puts out the wins. People who are, you know, stepping down and all of these things where um, it's just great to, to see uh, some good wins happening for it's us dominoes. on our side. Um, the other one was Toblerone bar- bars. They've made more space between the triangles. <laughs> they spaced out the triangles. They spaced out the triangles. <laughs> so it's the same length bar. But they're not getting away. We're noticing these things, right? Well, we- well we've noticed it, and our, and our listeners noticed it 10 years ago when we were talking about this, of, hey, it's getting smaller. But I, I do look at the positive side of it, you know, when you look at these cans of pop down to 100 calories or whatnot, right? They're minuscule cans. But isn't that actually kind of moving us in the right direction? Yes. We shouldn't be eating this junk anyway, right? So we should be kind of looking at it as sort of a good sign. We know these companies are trying to keep the margins, and now they're giving us less for our money. But on the other hand, we really should be avoiding it and going to to better products anyway. And I think more people are becoming aware of that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Getting aware, being aware of the content of our food, what they're doing to the food, Monsanto's and you know companies and big, big, big pharma and big corp trying to control the seeds. I mean, we have to take control of our food as well. How important is that? And, you know, people are waking up, you know, government stats are trying to tell us that the inflation is, is going down. And this is the reason why, I mean, just to conclude this article, going back to stagflation and skimflation, why Ludwig von Mises attacked the conceded aggregates, the CPI, the PPI, as I do. Uh, These indexes purported to measure various aspects of our lives. He says, the pretentious solemnity which statisticians and statistical bureaus display in computing indexes of purchasing power and cost of living is out of place. These index numbers are at best rather crude and inaccurate illustrations, gaslighting, of changes which have occurred. We don't need these stats, Jeremy. We never have, and just to conclude, he concludes, a judicious housewife knows much more about price changes as far as they affect her own household than a statistical averages can tell us. I I love the ending there because I was going to jump in and say, you look at someone like Jerome Powell or Janet Yellen and you say, when was the last time they they ordered a pizza? 
They don't coupon. <laughs> when when it, when did they go onto their phone and say, oh, "Hold on, guys, I just have to order some Uber Eats before I can get the meeting going"? <laughs> they don't. No. So they don't live in the real world. So they don't know. So they have their their measurement tools, and if their measurement tools are inaccurate, then we're up the up the the river without the paddle. That's right. Um, they get out of their vehicles before getting to the climate summit, and they jump on the bicycle and they head into the climate summit. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. All right, so let's we'll, we'll get into more, some central bank stuff. I'm sure at some point it, it can't help to. but bring up. How about how about this headline of the week, Jerry? The inquiry into Credit Suisse closing down, or sorry, when when they went bankrupt or whatnot. The inquiry into it is closed for 50 years. So they're not going to tell you what their what their investigations show about that bank collapse. Mm-hmm. So it's a media blackout, a complete blackout, like like uh, like JFK. Nothing to see here. You will not get to see to know what this is, what happened, mm-hmm. why it happened, who was involved. Um, it's it's very suspect when you have that kind of lack of transparency. And it does make you think about well, what else is going on in these in these financial systems that I should be worried about? That's right. That I that is hidden in all of that uh, fine print and whatnot. So when we're talking about gold and silver and having a portion of it in your portfolio, a part of it is about this idea of heading off some counterparty risk. When you put when you put your currency and your hard earned money into a bank, there's a counterparty risk there. You know, and when and part of this like raise in interest rates could be a, a cash grab for collateral for the banks, right? Very true. It's not going on to principal; it's coming directly into their pockets. Mm-hmm. So who knows what what how what the situation looks like? And when you have a massive one of the biggest banks in the world, where they won't tell you what happened, you kind of say, okay, what else don't I know? And one thing when you do own actual physical product is you know exactly what you have. You know you have access to it. You know its value. It can't go to zero. It's been around for thousands of years. It has innate value. It's continued to rise, and the cost of, of production continues to rise. Mm-hmm. And now the supplies are dwindling, which we'll get into in a little bit. So that was a crazy one. Any any additional thoughts on that? I mean, quick one. This is this is the main one of the main reasons why physical gold and silver are our wealth insurance. It it offers that unique, and this is the why central central banks amass precious metals in their in their coffers. There is a unique co- uh, combination of global liquidity and independence from madness and currencies, loss of devaluing currencies, financial institutions. We can connect the dots of what these guys were doing. You know, they're all interconnected. JP Morgan and the likes, which is why central banks around the world hold a reserve in physical gold to decouple the independence and liquidity that you need. And all we do, all we, our message here at Guildhall is to mimic and do the same thing like central banks are doing. Become your own central bank and own physical precious metals. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. So in the next segment, let's talk about Ford, what they're doing, and are they a new indicator for a potential crash? Minimum wage, how much does the minimum wage have to be to be able to afford living in a city like Toronto? A little bit on the housing crisis, and then we have to get into the supply shortages and the red alert that's happening at the COMEX. We've seen some good moves in the gold and silver market in the last couple of weeks. We need to consolidate those gains. There's no doubt we are going to hit $30 at some point in silver and ratchet way, way higher. There's just no way it cannot do it. 
but we're, we're kind of monitoring the indicators that are going to show when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. The number, 18778-SILVER, the website, guildhallwealth.com. If you want to get some physical precious metals for the first time, we highly recommend going to Guildhall Precious Metals. That's our e-store. Very easy to pick up a tube of silver maples, maybe a 10-ounce bar, maybe an ounce of gold. Get that product into your hand. Have that aha moment of, oh, this is, this is something actual. It's a retail product. It's in my hand. This is real. Can you take out, if you have 50000 in a bank, could you take that out right now in cash? Huh. If the answer is no, then what's in there? Something to think about. Digital. More to come on The Real Money Show on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website, guildhallwealth.com. Jerry, this was an interesting piece that came uh, across my, my view this week. Did you know that in, in 2008, Ford took out a massive loan before the crisis hit? Hmm. Interesting. So while the other companies like Chrysler and whatnot were having to take massive loans from the government to, to bail them out, Ford was okay because they'd already borrowed funds way prior to get them through what was happening, hmm. right? So they, were, they didn't have to, to go they to the government. Foreknowledge of what they had some foreknowledge. Well, Ford has just taken out a $9.2 billion loan again. And in fact, at the same time, they've also started to lower the prices on some of their vehicles. I guess if you've got the loan, you don't need to, did, to did make the, the profits. Did get the from Credit Suisse? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but isn't that interesting? So is that a new indicator mm. that if Ford is doing it again, is is something, is something about to happen. You know, you look at the stock market, okay? People say, oh, the stock market's going up. Look at it. Look at it go. And I, I can't help but look at it and say, well, they raised the debt ceiling and instantly blew through $900 billion or close to. You only need six stocks on any given exchange, NASDAQ, Dow, whatever, to really push the market up. Is it any surprise that some of that Nine hundred billion dollars made its way into the system into those places. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got trackers on all of these congressmen and women of what they invest into before before these things happen. That's true. So um, I don't know. Yeah, with I don't know. Is there a connection? Is there not? Well, we uh, do know that they went they went sort of woke with their with their with their commercials recently, and, and a lot of their the four drivers were really upset at this these commercials. They were, they were kind of aligning themselves with the with the Bud Light campaigns, and who knows? They could have experienced some losses, some some sell offs, and the loan could have been a buffer to to cover some of those losses, maybe some margin calls. But they do know. I mean, Ford has been around for a, a very long time through depressions and recessions. And they, you know, the history of Ford itself, I mean, you could just go down that rabbit hole and, and know who these people are. But um, it's interesting to see that, you know, the amount that they took out, it's a massive loan, um, definitely can, can help uh, for what's coming. And if you wanted to kind of match that up with some other things that are happening, you could say, okay, well, um, the yield curve is um, moving away from inversion. They've raised interest rates to a certain point. Um, Nomi Prinz was on Stansbury Research. She is 
an amazing author. We we had her once on the show, um, but Hello, it was Naomi. it was it was amazing. I mean, she wrote the book uh, Collusion about central bank collusion. She wrote a book Permanent Distortion. I mean, these are great titles too, right? Yeah. Um, former banker, like former working in that that uh, sphere of Wall Street, and she was saying that she was looking at the at the interest rate hikes, and she said, "Look, it it looks like they're essentially done. Anything anything above this point, whether it's another quarter." quarter point or half point is basically what she titled as uh, vanity, just pure vanity play. So they've accomplished the goal. Now you're going to probably go into recession because that's part of the pattern. They raise it to a certain point and then a recession hits and they have to drop them. So what she believes is that whether or not there's a, a, a hike or two, at, from here on out, we've kind of plateaued. And at some point into 2024, there will be a lowering of the rates. So you know what that means, Jerry? That means that the great pivot is still alive. Mm -hmm. Oh, that we know. Well, I know that. Now, we going back, we thought it would happen in 2023, but they kept pushing the rates up. So I don't know. It could still happen. You never know. October surprises uh, could happen. Uh, the market could crash, and they say, okay, we, ha we have a crisis. We have to respond to that. But a pivot looks like it is it is in the cards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, on this this week, the headlines today, gold is down, uh, slipping a little bit uh, as the dollar, the U.S. dollar is firming as the focus is moving forward towards next next week, Wednesday, the U.S. Federal Reserve meets on pace to raise uh, potentially their final rate hike of quarter point, bringing up over the 5.25 mark. Gold is on track, though, for a third weekly rise. Uh, the U.S. dollar index heads for the best week in about two months, so a little bit of a recovery on the back of an expected rate hike coming up, but silver is coming off two-month highs as well. So this is all, again, looking forward to next week's policy meeting. Uh, investors are cautious. Just remember the reason the U.S. dollar dropped, though, to its three-week low last week was the fact that the hedge funds are now abandoning the bullish U.S. dollar bets on peak Fed speculation. So there was a lot of speculation, a lot of hot air about how long they could fight this fight on inflation and keep the rates, rate hikes going, knowing that by the end of the year, their interest rate payments, the, the, in, the payments on the interest alone on all that debt is going to likely peak a, tr a trillion dollars. So the hedge funds are abandoning strong dollar. The U.S. dollar is barely staying alive at the 100 mark. And we're moving forward. And, and today, helicopter Bernanke came out and spoke. He, uh, the former Fed chair Ben Bernanke, said the Fed, the, the next Fed interest rate hike may be its last. So yeah, very much echoing Nomi. Um, I echo the sentiments that this is probably the last interest rate hike, and we're looking forward towards the pivot. And when that pivot happens, see when any nation in raises their interest rates. It benefits that nation's currency, the allure, the attraction of that currency for the yield. So as the U.S. has been raising interest rates, the U.S. dollar peaked, it's peaked, and now it's falling off the board. And as that happens, remember, gold and silver are inversely correlated. That is, the two assets move in the opposite direction. So your timing of looking at gold, your timing at looking at silver is the right time. This is the perfect time for gold. This is the perfect time for silver. Um, and congratulations to those who got involved this week. Well done. Yeah, I think that um, you know, just looking at it, the various uh, various indicators that we're kind of peaking out on on these interest rates, but the pain is here. There's no doubt about it. You know, yeah. like um, you know, people who borrowed money are very angry about what they're seeing, um, and people 
in this city as well are also very angry about the housing crisis and this was all created by the government too right yeah. you're bringing in more people than you can create homes for they bring in like a million people you're supposed to produce like 500 homes for that they produce 200,000 <laughs> so you're well under half of what you need to do and then the claim is that you have to bring these people in because there's a population problem and you say well I'll tell you what lower our taxes all right make it so that having a kid is not a luxury item right 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 and and have the canadians actually have a baby boom you know how many how many parents are, not, are are making the decision to say well maybe we won't have as many because it's so expensive to raise a kid in the city it That's shouldn't right. that shouldn't actually be the case and then for the government to say well we need to bring in more people cuz people aren't having enough babies i wonder why mm -hmm. right so you know you got to sit back and say they have sowed the seeds of this crisis. Very you, much so. Very much. And then at the same time, now we're getting the, the pincers. It's, it's a pincer strike because now you have shortage of housing and high, high cost of borrowing, right? So you, on the one hand, you could have people saying, well, you know, like there's all this competition for homes. Listen, not everyone's fighting for those homes, mm -hmm. okay? There's certain levels that people are fighting for. Um, but it is going to be a squeeze and I think people are going to be even more angry. It's one thing to raise the rates. It's another thing to drop them. Yeah. <laughs> what did I go through? <laughs> like people are going to be thinking to themselves, what did I go through? Why did the government do it? Do this, but that's like the, only to, only to drop them when they do drop the interest rates. Remember the reason why they initially raised interest rates in the first place is because they, the cause of the problem unleashed 40 year high inflation. The Canadian government, the, the central bank, decided to print four times the size of the Canadian economy. So when they're cutting interest rates, oh, hallelujah, well, no, they're not going to be battling the inflation anymore. They're going to walk away from inflation. Inflation just doesn't disappear or burn out or, or just turn down. It's going to continue. So to think that that's going to be a relief, we're going to watch prices, we're going to watch the expansion go, fiscal and monetary policies are going to just run wild. And talks about the Chinese, the, the mega bomb stimulus coming up. We'll 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 see what that hap what happens with that one. But for sure, when you start to, um, you know, incentivize nations, you know, na poor nations who are devaluing their currency. There was an article that was circulating today on CNBC um, that how countries are accepting these loans for devaluing their currency. So they're actually incentivizing devalue your currency. And then you'll be granted a bailout by the IMF, so so that you're therefore you can expand business, your your exports can start moving along. So the, basically, the rich get richer. Your well, businesses and corporations will get the benefit on the one hand, but the people, the social unrest comes with it because when the, when the people lose their purchasing power, when the currency dies and dwindles away, like Argentina and peso right now. You know, you have to make a decision. Is it worth devaluing and destroying your currency for global exports? I don't believe so. And there's a big rug pull that happens. What you're talking about is the type of thing that was discussed in the book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Get someone onto a, onto a, a loan, rug pull them on the loan. It happened to, the, it happened to Greece. They took everywhere. on all these loans to get into the euro, and then 10 years later, they owe all this money on it that they didn't, never had. Yep. And then they and then they put it on the people to pay it, and the people are sitting there saying, "I didn't, I didn't vote for this." Exactly what right? happened. So they're getting a big rug pull, 
Um, and you know, you could definitely say, uh, put out an argument to say that this is part of a, a larger plan to bring the pain so that people will accept a digital currency, which they've they're starting to work on what what we would call the plumbing of that. Right, the central banks are trying to create the network to have the central bank digital currencies work. They're not at the point of actually releasing a coin or a currency of some kind, but they're trying to develop the the connections, the, the partnerships, infrastructure. the infrastructure. Um, so you know, th th they'll say, "Oh, we're not working on it. We're not there." But they'll move. They'll move the discussion over there soon enough. Just like, no, we're not going to close down everything. And then a week later, like, well, you know, when we mentioned that to you, like, we actually meant that we were going to close. What I meant to say is we're going to close everything just Shut in a down. week. You know, <laughs> um, it, it's coming. I think that in that respect, what I'd like to do, Jerry, is ask you ask you a question about um, um, about silver maples. Do you think? Do you think everyone should have some silver maples to transact with if they actually implement a digital currency and there's no choice? If, if, it, if it got to a point where there was no choice and they decide to implement that system that has been tried and failed throughout the world already, would it come down to a point where you would need that metal if you did not want to enter that system? Yes, I, I believe that having some silver maples for the for the sole purpose of hedging from because we don't know exactly how things will roll out and how long it will take to implement and there could be a gap period where you may not be you know you may not have the your your, your money because of who you are may not be compatible for this new platform so by having silver maples which are legal tender they're coins they're coined by the Canadian currency act they can be used, they have a face value on it, and they can be used and barter and trade can be done utilizing your coins. For how long? There comes a point where you only need so many maples, this is in my opinion, you can buy maples all you want. Great job, they're all silver, they're 99.99% silver, but you know there comes a point where you don't need all of that survival coin. The Mad Max scenario, you have enough to take care of maybe a blackout period of maybe a week, two weeks. I'm just reminded of when you know they rolled out the rolled out of the Italian lira, and you you know you roll into euro. It's it's really it just happens almost overnight. So having a transition, but if you don't want to participate in something that is nefarious, then having gold and silver and silver coins, it's a good thing to have, and there are resources that can help communities. Um, here locally and, and abroad to figure out how to transact. You know, if you want to check out Gold and Silver Exchanger, it's a, it's a great tool by Catherine Austin Fitz on, on you know, dollar versus coin. It, the idea is it, you cannot lose by having physical silver as a, as a form of rainy day cash. Should it come to a central bank digital currency, you've got a means to fight with physical money. So give us a call, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com, the e-store, guildhallpreciousmetals.com. It's The Real Money Show on 640 Toronto. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Remember, if you can't hold it, you don't own it. We've always said on the show, 
debts don't matter until they matter. And it definitely seems like they're starting to matter in a big, big way, Jerry. And one of the ways you're going to protect against a potential collapse is people are going to default uh, other people, which means people aren't going to get their money. Uh, you want to be out of harm's way. You want to make sure that you're sovereign. You want to be your own central bank. You want some physical gold, physical silver um, on your person, a little bit at home, a little bit in the vault. TFSA, great way to go. I think RESPs are, are undervalued. I think people look at gold and they think, oh, it hasn't really done much. Well, it's up 400 and something percent over the last 20 years. It's had two down years in the last 15 years in Canadian dollars. I don't think that there's an asset out there that's less volatile than gold. Absolutely. But not. people don't think about it that way. People have been conditioned in many ways um, to think certain things. Last week on the show, we said, you know, everyone wants to, to get into the top 1%. Well, anyone can be in the top 1% now. What you're trying to get into is in the top one-tenth of 1%. Because the real 1% in the world that we used to think of is actually the 0.001%. Which... Everything's shifted. Which here at the office, we think of Argyle Diamonds with that. (laughs) Because the the Argyle Diamond Mind, all of the pink diamonds that were produced was 0.001% of the entire production. So that just kind of puts it into a perspective, which means all of the the diamond, the pink diamonds that were mined in an entire year would fit a teacup. The the best of the best would fit a teaspoon. That that is a, a remarkably small amount of product to to be purchased globally, and that's one of the reasons why diamonds are also not volatile at all. Mm-hmm. They just continue to rise in price. That's correct. And argyles are actually seemingly it's something that we're monitor seemingly are actually gaining a premium in the market i'm not sure how that's going to work since they produce 90 percent, so the other 10 percent are even more rare but um but they do have a certain cachet nonetheless um let's let's talk about minimum wage Good segue. There, there was a (laughs) was that a good segue no i think so you were talking about the you know the upper the one percent you know how things shifted. What does the minimum wage look like today? Right. So here, here's the thing. A, a, a report came out. They, someone did the math and said, <laughs> if you're going to afford to live in the city of Toronto, you you need a minimum wage of of forty dollars an hour. Really? Yes. <laughs> now I already have a problem with that because minimum wage is the government dictating what. What someone who is working on skills or doesn't haven't developed skills enough to get something beyond minimum wage um, that they that they have a minimum that they should be getting, so the government dictates it. I'm sorry. Well, what if you what if you just want a job? Are you not you're not allowed to take less? No, you're not allowed to take less. What about the demand on the business? Well, what if the business can't handle the minimum wage in that respect? Mm, true. Well, now they're gonna they're gonna automate. They're gonna get they're gonna use uh, robots, AI, whatever you know, and they're gonna put more people out of jobs. They did that. They raised the minimum wage. What happens? Mm-hmm. Large large uh, donut chain says we're firing twenty percent of our of our of our workforce. Mm-hmm. So this just goes along with one of these things of there's a misunderstanding out there that the government is supposed to help you. You know what we need, Jerry, to fix the housing crisis? We need the government to make more affordable housing. Just make it. Just make it. Well, who pays for that? We do. With taxes that they'll raise on us. Or they'll create inflation where they just inflate it away. 
So we just pay more for things, which is a hidden tax. Guys, inflation is a hidden tax that is a government economic issue. It's not magic. It's not a natural phenomenon. They created more money out of thin air. They created more debt. That means the cost of everything is more. It's, it's not a miracle. It's not magic. But it is insidious. And it is secretive. And if it's done at a rate that you don't notice, like 5% a year, it takes 10 years before you notice. Now everybody's noticing because it's, it's 15% or whatnot. It's in your face. But how does the housing get, how does this low income housing get built? It gets built with your money. And once it's built, every, you have to pay for it, which means you're going to pay more for everything. And hopefully you're working. <laughs> it's the same thing as universal basic income. Who's going to pay for that $1,500 a week for that some person to get $1,500 a week for zero, doing nothing, not adding any value? We will. And then that person who's getting $1,500 a week is going to cry to the government again saying, I, 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 I need $1,750, guys. <laughs> So it's a never-ending cycle of being dependent on an entity that does not produce anything. Meanwhile, I'll tell you what they are producing, higher, higher employment numbers because they somehow need more employees. So they become the, higher, the hiring of last resort right. to make the economy look stronger. Why? So you can say that the economy's strong and say that there's inflation so you can raise rates and do a bigger rug pull on everybody? Guys, stop. Like, just stop it mm -hmm. get out of it take take Step control aside. take control you want to know what the biggest thing that people love about precious metals they come into the office and they say i get to own this i get exactly. to take control of my destiny no one can have this but me exactly. they put it in their hand and they say well can the government confiscate it and you say you know the government's stealing 30 percent income tax 15 percent on inflation and then you pay 13 percent on everything else or are they not stealing Yes. Are, are you not a debt slave? I'm a debt slave. We're all debt slaves. How do we break the cycle? You need to have actual assets that they're, that they're not allowed to take personal property. Just so you know, that means hard fascism. That's hard fascism, mm -hmm. right? You thought the freedom convoy was something? Wait till they, wait till they take one thing from somebody. One thing. Okay. They shut down one bank account, two bank accounts. They went crazy. The banks were calling calling Trudeau saying, what are you doing? That's exactly Stop it. People are pulling their money out like crazy. They need us. They need us. We're in control. Power to the you, people. You take your sovereignty back through the form of money. Trust me. See how fast things change. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the beautiful thing about, about precious metals. It's not digital. When you want that 50000 out of the bank account, you cannot get it. But it shows up. It looks great on your computer when you log in. But gold and silver, that's the only tangible monetary asset, non-financial asset that is always liquid and practical to own without ever involving the financial system. Remember to give us a call, one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com, and find out how to get physical precious metals in your hand, in your portfolio, protect your wealth, against that insidious plan of money printing. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. In the last segment, we were talking about minimum wage 
You know who uses a lot of minimum wage? Millennials, as they're gaining skills, working their way through working their way through school and whatnot. And there has been a major sea change in the way that they view money, isn't there, Jerry? And I love this headline, Jeremy. I thought this was amazing news. Just knowing that we we speak to a lot of millennials. Um, the challenge of home ownership comes up a lot. You know, check out that video that we do have. You want to you want to own a home? You want to buy a home? Buy silver. And this was targeting the millennials because there there is hope in precious metals ownership, especially if you acquire at least two thousand ounces, you could potentially buy a home. Uh, there's a headline coming out from uh, State Street: Millennials are hoarding more go more gold than boomers and Gen Xers as recession risks loom. State Street says. Millennials are beating baby boomers and Gen Xers when it comes to investing in gold, according to State Street, and I think silver as well. Uh, they call it hoarding, but we call it stacking. Demand for the precious metal, widely regarded as a safe haven asset, remains strong as recession risks loom. And gold has rallied almost 9% year-to-date, and it's approaching around that 1962,000 per ounce mark. And this is coming at a time, Jeremy, which is very interesting, just after the whole crypto boom, right? You know, you had this big move towards, but I think the, the Wall Street and the Reddit and the, the drain the mint and the, the silver squeeze has really caught the attention of the millennial market. They see, they, they're doing the math, you know, they're building skills, but they also understand real world numbers. And when you understand that there are, there's not enough physical silver out there to cover this contract, to cover this delivery. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get, start stacking my, um, for for myself. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. Let's get into supply side shortage. But first, I think we should talk about this red alert at the Comex, which is the exchange where the futures market is traded in physical gold, physical silver. But they use all this paper future. Um, future contracts. We have seen a major depletion in the physical silver over the last year, um, but the open interest has been growing as of late. What is this uh, red alert that's happening? Written by Ted Butler, Code Red. The date needs to be corroborated next week when the COT report comes out, but simply stated, he says, this is the greatest market emergency in the comic silver since the Hunt Brothers emergency in 1980. The sharp increase in total silver open interest over the past few days does not, does not look related to phony spread activity. It looks very much like the real deal, namely massive new bets on price direction. This is at the heart of the My Code Red premise, he says. The very last thing the silver market needs right now, in its current state of confirmed physical shortage, is another 100 million ounces added to a derivatives bet already too large at hundreds of millions of ounces on the COMEX and more than a billion ounces in over-the-counter derivatives. It's like throwing a hundred million barrels of gasoline on a fire already raging. Yes, he says, I'm convinced a real present danger and emergency exists in COMEX silver, mainly as a result of the new 100 million ounce long position created over the past three days, which can help but result in extreme price volatility dead ahead. But in the end, the result will be sharp sharply higher prices regardless of whether we see lower prices to begin first sharp higher prices are coming up in due to this comex long position so jeremy this is a very exciting time knowing that higher prices are on the way for the millennials who are holding this is the pinnacle this is the crux of what we're heading towards it's the exchanges you know when we have exchanges you know head-to-head -head, where we have the LBMA, the LME, and the COMEX, NYMEX versus the World Moscow Standard. You have the Indian International Bullion Exchange. You have the Shanghai Gold Exchange. 
East versus West, Jeremy. Who's going to win? Remember the old proverb, he who has the gold makes the rules. The price mechanism is shifting and we're looking East. And you know, it, it's, you see that there's this massive long bet in the market. There's this persistent shorting of the market with paper. And then you have these crazy new developments in the supply side. For instance, we talked about it a few weeks ago. They have banned open pit mining in Mexico. That's it. They're making it so much more difficult to actually get this physical product to market in a market where investment demand and industrial demand is going through the roof. That's right. That's right. And further to the sh the, st the stoppage and the and the ban of mining, and that's that's coming from Newmont Mining, who who's striking. And they reported results this week. They missed estimates. They missed the street. The stock plummeted about 6%. And this shows the difference between, I mean, I like miners. I like junior miners as well. But there's a big difference between the two where you have counterparty risks. Yes, they're mining the silver. But if they're not pulling it out, if the high costs due to in, because of inflation are dwindling the bottom line, then you're adding counterparty risk. Yeah, I, I, like, I like George Gammon's perspective on it. Um, he's talked about it for his own portfolio. Precious metals to him, physical, are actually the insurance on his portfolio. And the miners are actually the top end of his speculative. So one is the top 10% speculative, and the other half is the top is the 10 par portion insurance. Mm, interesting. So they, they're, they're, the they're extremes mm -hmm. of the same thing. I see. I see. But when we have the participation, and this is what it, what it comes down to, when we have more and more entities, people, industri industries that are demanding the physical as we advance as a society, the participation, again, less than 1% of the population own physical gold and silver. When it bumps up to 1.5%, the silver and gold become unobtainium, especially that silver market. So let's talk about where the price goes in that respect. We'll, we'll say that the dollar doesn't completely drop to zero um, and that it, it maintains some sort of value. Where do we see the price of gold going? Gold get to a, get to uh, three, four, five, seven thousand dollars an ounce? Yes, absolutely. It could do, it could do that. I, I definitely think it could go to um, to as much as ten thousand. I think it has to get rolling. I think that's the big thing for us right now. We've, we, we've sneakily gotten almost up to two thousand over the past week. But we get back into the 2100 range and start moving up to the $2,500 range, you're in a new ball game with, with regard to precious metals. Then all of a sudden, 3000 becomes um, something that's foreseeable and, and higher up from there. If even at $3,500 an ounce on, on gold, and you drop down to a 35 to 1 ratio, which is what we saw in 2011, you'd be looking at $100 silver. There's... I look at the stock markets and I, I would have a tough time saying that they could make the type of movement that silver can because it's so undervalued right now. So something to consider. We're happy to talk to you about those numbers and give you all the, the ratios and how you can understand the value of the market as it's going because price is what you pay but value is what you get. Jerry, that's it. We did it. That's the end of the show. Great show. Oh, too, much, so much. too much, too much to talk about. We'll have to do it next week. Looking forward to it, Jeremy. Thank you to everyone who joined us, and we look forward to speaking with you next week here on The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com, and this has been coming to you through 
640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.